0: You're listening to the Flying Goat Farm Podcast with your host, Lisa Check. This podcast is for people who love yarn and fiber and sheep, who love to knit and crochet and maybe even felt. We will be talking about the crossroads between keeping sheep and goats, making yarn, and expressing your colorful self. Welcome back to Season 4 Um, Today, we are going to be talking a little bit more about the fiber shed movement throughout the United States and across the world. But first, here's what's happening on the farm. Um, The buses are starting to roll out, and school, I think, starts um, on on just a few days from now. Um, So I think we are barreling towards fall, um, and even though there's going to be a lot more hot days ahead, Um, We are starting to get that feeling that fall is in the air. We are um, harvesting a lot of tomatoes. Um, So we are making tomato sauce. We make something that we call almost paste because we never can get it down to the consistency of what you would find in a can of tomato paste. Um, So it's almost paste. Uh, Salsa we've been making, a lot of dill pickles, bread and butters. Um, and also relishes. So we made sweet pickle relish and dill pickle relish, um, and so that has been really, really great. So this whole season, I've been talking about fast fashion. What it what it is? What are can this huge consumerism change in? Um, our buying habits is doing to the world and we've been talking about some alternatives to um, fix our planet and to um, still be fashionable but to be mindful about that fashion. So let's talk a little bit more about directly about Fibershed itself. So Fibershed um, had its beginnings in 2010 Um, in Northern California. Um, Rebecca Burgess was um, a, a crafter and she was growing her own indigo and her indigo experiments kind of started to outgrow her space and she realized that she would need to get a small farm involved to make the amount of dye that she needed to take to create her textile work. And then, kind of like in a kismet way, part of her indigo plant order was delivered to another farmer who um, a, you know, a vegetable p- farmer, I believe, and um, he mistakenly planted them before realizing what they were. So that kind of started a, this collaboration between Rebecca and this silver uh, river dog farm. And then Sally Fox got involved. And for those of you who don't know her, she is an organic cotton grower. She's been growing cotton. um, She started out in California, um, and she was the one who got the colored cottons back into production. Um, She was kind of ousted from uh, California because she was growing organic cotton and because of the color the, um, the farmers who were raising um, GMO cotton uh, didn't want her around. They didn't want her pollen polluting their cotton. So I, then she went to Arizona, and I think now she's back in California. Um, but it's been a long, hard road for her, um, just growing the cotton, finding markets for the cotton, Um, and the, with the equipment that you need and all that kind of stuff. But so Rebecca and this guy, River Dog Farm and Sally Fox got together and, um, they, they, Rebecca was kind of curious about whether it was possible to make local jeans. So they started the local gene project. Um, and she knew that she didn't have all the skills that were required, um, to do the spinning and weaving and all that kind of stuff. To make these jeans, so she brought other people into that project, and that is kind. Of, that was the very, very beginnings of what is now the Fibershed movement. Um, and it's really similar to the farm-to-table movement. Um, and it's, uh, it's important as you know we've talked about in the previous nine episodes. It's important to source your textile from your local area as well as sourcing your food from. A local area. So Rebecca did write um, the book Fiber Shed. It's available wherever you buy books, and it's really a, a interesting read. And it really got me um, excited about, you know, I, I do grow my own farm yarn, and I do use humane practices, and I do um, use practices that are climate beneficial. And how can I be part of this movement? And so about three years ago, I started on this journey of how do I um, plug into this fiber shed movement? Um, the goals of the nonprofit, um, now, now 12 years later, it's really a far-reaching organization. Um, It's evolved from, you know, having a local wardrobe, which was, you know, the jeans and then, you know, could you make a whole wardrobe that was local within 100 miles of yourself to um, a lot of uh, work with environmental concerns and lots of education. They're working with with governments and they're working with brands as well as with farmers and makers. Um, There's a yearly symposium that they do too, Um, and they uh, were doing quite a few in-person events before the pandemic. Now, um, so much of it is available by Zoom. So if you're at all interested, be sure and, you know, check out what's available um, that you can do digitally. So the the three big areas um, are the uh, Developing regional textile economy, um, working with the climate beneficial um, agriculture, and also um, education and advocacy programs. So, with the regional textile economy, those um, uh, you know those beginning projects, making those jeans and making that hundred mile uh, radius wardrobe showed Rebecca just how broken the textile economy of the U.S. is, um, that we have lost mills, we've lost growers, we've lost the technology, um, and um, we're just, it, we're really behind um, other countries now because we have lost all those things. And Fibershed as a movement is working to build up the regional textile economies so that clothes can be more local again. Um, mostly right now, this is being done through mapping. Um, mapping, you know, where are the producers? Where are the mills? Um, what size are those mills? What are the capabilities of those mills? Understanding what it takes to um, to fund or to um, to build. A regional mill, just in California was what they were looking at, but that of course can be translated anywhere. Um, and there also there's a lost a lot a lot of work with local affiliates to understand where um, more of the resources are, and I'll be talking about the affiliates in a few minutes. So the, the second goal is the climate beneficial agriculture. Um, So pretty early on, um, Rebecca figured out and her group figured out that um, in order to uh, work on the greenhouse gas situation and global warming and climate change, we need to be looking at carbon farming, which I talked about in the last episode. Um, working to remove carbon from the atmosphere and putting it back into, um, into the soil and into plants that are in the soil. So Fiber Shed has done a lot of research working with farmers, farmers of both plant and animal kinds of fibers, and um, working to build in more carbon farming practices. And they've really shown that this carbon farming um, has Benefited not only um, by bringing carbon out of the atmosphere and into the dirt, but it's also um, revitalizing the um, the natural landscape, especially in California with the severe drought, droughts that have happened. Um, by you know planting hedgerows and doing um, and you know putting in wind wind breaks and things like that, that you can control erosion. Um, you can reduce fire danger. Um, they're showing in, the re- in this research that they're increasing plant roots in the soil. So, again, working towards reducing that erosion and also getting carbon back into the soil. And they're doing this through education. They're doing it through grants. And they're doing this through model farms. So their education arm, um, they ha- there's so much on their website There's there's the maps that you can find of um, producers. There's some marketplaces that are there. Um, There's also a new podcast that Rebecca is doing that's really, really good. Um, The Fiber Shed in general gives webinars all the time. And there's an annual symposium The last two years, that that annual symposium has been um, digital on Zoom. And I don't know what the plan is for this year. Um, Personally, I hope they continue the the digital part of that because there are so many um, affiliates throughout um, America and the world. And so it would be really great to be able to get together with everybody at that time over the Internet. There are newsletters. And there's all kinds of education targeted to all ages. There's some school curricula up there. Um, they're having a mending challenge lately. Um, so there's just a lot of cool um, information that you can find on their website. And then their advocacy program. So again, they're working with clothing brands like North Face and others to promote having at least some local products made. I think. Um, you know, one brand made a local wool hat. Um, but in order, you know, in order to work with a big brand like that, you have to have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of um, fleeces and have have a way for those to get into the supply stream. So um, should there, I think it's going to be slow work, but I think it's going to be really beneficial work. Um They're also working to lobby governments to take action on microplastics. There um, is a big um, bill that's being put forward in California about limiting microplastics. And um, they're a part of that. And they're also working with the garment worker organizations to promote equity. And in previous um, episodes, I've talked about the garment worker problem and um, ways that we can get involved to help them, and then there's the affiliates. So the affiliates are offshoots of the Fibershed organization, um, and each affiliate has it's you know a local area. It has boundaries that are from 100 to 200 miles in uh, in a diameter around a certain point of a certain city. Um, there are 45 U.S. affiliates and 13 international affiliates. And um, each of these is working on their, in, in their own communities to build the, the regional textile economy, mostly, and working on the education piece, the carbon farming piece. Um, and the, but they're also working with, with each other on projects and giving advice and things like that. So um, each year, the affiliates do different projects. Um, they're uh, they can apply for grants not only from Fibre Shed but from other places too. So some of the projects that have been have taken place are, of course, mapping the individual affiliate area. So putting in how you know all the different alpaca farmers and wool farmers and. Um, putting in the, the um, nurseries where you can get uh, native dye plants or dye plants in general, um, the people that, um, you know, maybe there's a, uh, a university or a craft school or something like that and putting all of these into a map that can, so that anyone who comes to that website looking for resources can then find them. Um, some affiliates have, have made toolkits, one um, for carbon farming labeling, one for working with brands, and others. Um, in Pennsylvania, they've been working on farming flax. Apparently, Pennsylvania was one of the biggest flax growers in the United States several centuries ago, or not several, but you know, a century or so ago. Um, and so, they that fiber shed is looking to see. You know, what what kind, what species or or variation works well um, in their microclimate, and then looking to see what would it take to then have that processed on a commercial level. Um, as we've talked about here in the past, you know, here in the um, north, the, the mid-Atlantic, we need something more lightweight than wool in the summertime. And so having flax or cotton or something like that, that's grown locally is really, really valuable. In in North Carolina, I believe, it's either North or one of the Carolinas, they're doing projects looking at how to um, use kudzu as a fiber and using it kind of like flax because it would be a long bast fiber um, that then you can spin Uh, So that's kind of interesting since, you know, Katsu is the plant that's taking over the South. If we could use it in some um, great way to make clothing and cloth, that would be fantastic. Um, Several several of the affiliates have done clothing challenges like Rebecca's first challenge of, you know, a hundred mile wardrobe or one one outfit, one year, something like that. Um, And there's other affiliates that are looking to work with special local wools um, in particular, or uh, let's say special local fibers. So I know that in the Switzerland um, affiliate, they have a special kind of sheep and they're looking to, um, to bring that into the awareness of people and to be using its wool to make, to make projects with. Um, Also down in South Louisiana, they are working with brown, local brown cotton down there. Um, And so that's kind of cool. And then a lot of the projects also involve, you know, just organizing the affiliate, you know, whether that's to, you know, get their marketing program together, getting their website up, things like that. But, so there's all different kinds of projects that these affiliates are working on. And some of these projects may be really exciting to you, and you may want to volunteer to help during with those projects in some kind of a way. So I'll just talk about our uh, local or my local fiber shed, which is the Chesapeake Fiber Shed. Um, it's 120 miles around the DC Baltimore metro area and encompasses parts of Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and West Virginia. Um, I think it's some kind of even extends a little bit into New York. Um, but in it basically it's following the Chesapeake Bay watershed. Um, it was formed about three years ago. It's a total, totally volunteer organization. And starting this year, we've really had um, a presence at local fiber festivals to reach producers and makers. We've also started a membership program this year um, where you could be a supporter or you could be a producer. And producers are ones who are making um, products that are totally local labor, local fiber, local dyes. And so there is a special product label that those producers can put on their items. And so our fiber sheds projects um, have, it's uh, again, it's all started with the mapping. So, you know, we have a map up on our website, which is Chesapeake So you can, it's an interactive map so that you can look for um, different kinds of producers in your area or close to your area. This year was our first, is it's it's not over yet, Lisa. It is the first um, sustainable cloth challenge. And for this, we um, wanted to make sure that it was open to as many people as possible. So we called it Sustainable Cloth Farm to Home and Closet. So not ju- it didn't have to be something that's wearable. It could be a rug. It could be a table runner. It could be um, something else that is for your home and not for your body. Um, and there are three different ways to participate in that as well, because you can do what, what we call the um, embracing stream, which means that everything is indeed local. Or you can use do the borrowing stream, which is, you know, no, noting that not everything is available in our fiber shed. So, you know, maybe you are using a dye that doesn't grow here. Or maybe you are using um, an organic cotton that you know, we don't have that in our fiber shed, but everything else is local. Those kind of things. And the final stream is the embracing stream. No, re envisioning stream. I get I get them mixed up. Re envisioning, which is um, upcycling, upcycling, recycling. You know, taking things, taking textiles that are already created and making something new from them. Another project that we've worked on this year is the Natural Dye Journal. Again, uh, the results of that are on our website. If you go to uh, chesapeakefibershed.com and look at the Natural Dye Journal, and you will find articles in there um, for all kinds of local dyes. Um, We've put together um, dye days where we take three or four different local dyes, and then we do experiments. Basically, we use, you know, hand spun, we use mill spun, we use wool, we use um, different kinds of wools, we use uh, different fabrics. So we have some silk fabrics, some cotton fabrics, some linen fabrics, some felting fabrics, and looking at seeing how each of these um, local natural dyes really works with the different substrates. And we also have bi-, mi- bi monthly meetups that are open to everyone, um, where we just have speakers that come to talk to us about all different things. And so um, all of this information is up on that website. And you can go to, if you're interested in the, the meetup, you can go to the calendar of events and you can click on there and register to come. It's free, of course but we ask for registration. So here's your call to action for this time. So check out um, fibershed.org and um, you'll see there that they have a new affiliate zine, e-zine. They're calling it Threading Resilience and it has um, 19 of the projects that um, were done this year by the affiliates Chesapeake Fibershed has an article in there as well. They are um, asking for donations to help make more cool projects. So consider making a donation if you can. Um, you can become a supporting member of the Chesapeake Fibershed again on that fi- on that website, ChesapeakeFibershed.com. You can attend, uh, you know, one of our zoom meetups, that would be great. Um, All of the links will be in the show notes so that um, you can see how to get to each of those places. And of course, becoming a volunteer or, you know, a enthusiastic supporter is always, always welcome in a volunteer um, organization, right? So until next time, I know that I'll be making something local with my wool Um, And so I hope you will, too. Happy making. Well, that's this episode of the Flying Goat Farm podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review. Have a question you'd like me to answer? Send an email to goatherd at flyinggoatfarm.com. And to see our farm and yarn and roving, check out our website at flyinggoatfarm.com. Follow me at Flying Goat Farm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm Goat Herd on Ravelry. Until next time, happy making!